Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. One more time. Everybody's feeling fine. Here we go. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. I'm singing an end sing song. This is supposed to be a black ass morning show. You Let me. Have an afro shirt on. I do have an afro <laughs> show talking about some end sync has got the flow. <laughs> Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, the hypocrisy. Sweet odd. Sweet odd. What's up? <laughs> Let's hit the intro, man. Let's get it started, man. Let's get it popping. Let's go. Let's go. What? Uh oh, you gotta. I got you for right now. Okay. You gotta scoot it over to this scene. Anyway, don't worry about it. Good morning, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Hawaii Make We Be Mo. Yeah. In case this is your first time, welcome to season four. Okay, this is our fourth year. It's kind of crazy to think about we started this thing in 2019 and it's now 2023, but we'll have more commentary about that as part of our last segment. We got a lot of wonderful things that we want to talk about this morning, including maybe the invention of whiteness. We're going to talk about that as a good black morning show does. We'll be getting our conversations with whiteness. <laughs> uh, and then we'll have a conversation, of course, about these bus drivers. And then we just want to bring you in behind the curtain real quick to talk about where we've been, where we're going, your expectations for this season. But first, as always, we are a podcast that's brought to you by the Washington Informer Bridge. The Washington Informer Bridge is one of those crucial newspapers and media outlets that is critical to telling the black story and the black experience. I heard Joe Biden say the other day, he was talking about on the on the correspondence dinner, he said that the black press bravest entities in the American institution so we want to shout the Washington Informer Bridge if you want to see more about the Washington Informer Bridge, follow WI Bridge DC on Instagram or visit, visit WIBridge.com for more information. Of course, we're going to start off with my man, the Media Prince. He has also started his new season of What's Going On DMV. Let's get it popping. Media Prince, what you got to say? We bring you art. We bring you culture. We bring you entertainment. We bring you sports. We bring you all things DMV. Welcome to What's Going On DC. Appreciate that, Media Prince, and we also appreciate uh, the patience of the good people as we try to. Uh oh, come on now. We're trying to get rewarmed back up on the OBS situation, but that's all right, though. We know that we know the tactic. You don't have to be perfect to be respected. Thank y'all for coming back to another episode of Wake and Bake with BMO. Actually, I just want to. I want to tell you, as an old black man should, I want to tell you a story. Have you heard? of Walter White. 
not breaking bread, Walter White. I'm talking about one of the founders of the NAACP. His name is Walter White. The interesting thing about Walter White is the lady of the house cues up uh, what he looks like. In, let's say, 1900, Walter White is one of the, the founders of the NAACP. I think I just said that. Uh, in 1900, Walter White, who was five thirty seconds black, biologically, decides that he wants to identify as black. He is no longer a white man. In 1900, I am going to give up part of my white life so I could live as a black man. Now, um, sounds familiar, right? We have seen a couple of people in modern history who have tried to give up their whiteness for blackness. I want to show you an example. First off, uh, if you had to guess what Walter White looked like, five thirty seconds black, you would think that maybe he got a little tinge of color, a little taste of what's going on. This is what Walter White looked like, y'all. If you're on Instagram, oh man, I forgot to say that. If you're on Instagram and you want to see all the things that are happening on the screen, hit the Hit the link in my bio, go over to the YouTube. You can see the full, the full 16 by nine situation, which includes the ability to see Walter White right now. I mean, he's right here, but if you're on Instagram, there is no right here, I suppose. But definitely go over to Instagram and check that out. This is Walter White. Maybe for the, for the, for the benefit of today, I'll do you a favor and put Walter White's face over my face. This, <laughs> I am Walter White, okay? Walter White is a passing white man. The reason why this is passing white man, yeah. not passing black man, he's a, he can pass for white. <laughs> the reason why I want to bring this up today, what is this right here? Every time I try to type it, does it? I don't know. Right, we got to get, we we get our systems together. That's all right, though. Okay, go ahead. Um, the reason why I bring up Walter White uh, at the beginning of season four of Wake and Bake with BMO is because... Over the last year, since I've seen y'all, I have been struggling, struggling with this thing that we call black. Um, to the So much to the point that I think the entirety of this season, let me not be hyperbolic, but the majority of this season, we will be discussing what exactly is black. What does it mean to be black besides the 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 connotation that they took from my skin tone because i'm brown and turning it black what exactly is black and here's my working definition so far i won't hold you too long on what it is here's my working definition so far and we're going to play with that this morning as we talk about my good man walter white right here black is a race and I saw a video a long time ago that says we do a disservice by calling race a social construct. Race is not a social construct. You know what's a social construct? A handshake. A handshake is a social construct. You know what a social construct is? Driving on the right side of the road. That's a social construct. Race <laughs> is a nefarious construct that was built as a caste system to put one class ahead of the other. They called the top class white, they called the bottom class black. Y'all see that, y'all smart. Some of y'all went to college. You understand how contracts work. White on top, black on bottom. So if black, is a social caste position, at least in the way that we're talking about it right now, what does it mean to actively participate in black 
culture. Does participating in black culture actually mean that you are participating in the lower caste system? This is the thing that I've been struggling with. And my man, Walter White, has actually helped me illuminate some things. Again, if you just joined on, quick conversation, my man Walter White, he is a passing black man, white man, he is a white man. He, in 1900, he decided to give up his life as a white man to live as a black person. Now, of course, in 1900, that looks different, right? If you try to give up your white life now in 2023, that looks way different than giving up your white life in the year 1900. That means you got to live on a nigga side of town. That means that you can only eat from the back of the restaurant. That means you can't sleep with white women publicly. There are so many, you can't have no vanilla ice cream. What are some other silly ass <laughs> rules of Jim Crow? You might get lynched on a Wednesday. You can't whistle too loud. You can't, you can't, well, I guess it ain't too much different from 2023 then. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Walter White decides to live his life as a white, as a black man in 1900. And the reason why this is helping me illuminate what race is, something else happened in our break. Um, there is a gentleman by the name of Adam Scott. Adam Scott wrote the Dilbert comic. Now, if I know my black demographic, like I think I know my black demographic, you niggas ain't never read no damn Dilbert. Sweetheart, <laughs> lady of the house. Oh, you know what I didn't do? What? I'm so sorry. Good morning, and make sure y'all say good morning to the lady of the house, okay? It is mandatory. I'm warming back up. My apologies for not introducing you to the you show. Lady of I didn't do nothing. I ain't, yeah. man, I'm just, I'm just rusty over here. I got Michael on the line. I got Claudia on the line. You seen Iz was on the line? Here, take over these comments, man. You know, I'm not, I'm not good at this. You Trump? see Lafayette? Yeah. Who on here now? Trump. Trump, big dog. Oh, man. I just jumped right into the conversation yeah. about white folks. I ain't even yeah. acknowledged my community. Yeah. Gosh, is You know, is I miss you, man. Danny. Danny, Danny. Who's? I got to work on, um... Oh, Cape Factory! You know, I got to dust off my skull flare. It's been a while. It's been a while since I wore my, my... I think I might be a little too big now. Skull, you got the, you got the 2X? What's up? What's good? Huh? Oh, yeah, Donovan and Sophia. Wake me up! <laughs> I miss y'all, man. I miss the good folks Aww. over at CTA, but that's another conversation for another day. We'll talk about how I spent the night with Superman on another occasion. That's what I call my time with Creature. Uh, I spent the night with Superman. All right. Like, like Lois Lane, you feel me? I kind of just want to start over. Every, just every, <laughs> make sure we're saying good morning to the lady of the house, okay? This is mandatory. I don't see nobody Not in the chat. Okay, see, see, truck follow instructions. <laughs> truck been following instructions for four years, and I appreciate it. I appreciate that about you, big dog. Over at Fisk doing big things. Yes, sir. We saw him on the, on the YouTube. We did see you on YouTube, Chuck. We sure did. We was watching some other vlog and you was in the background. Yeah. You dapped the nigga up. He called out to you. That's right. Yeah. He said, woof, woof, and, and you, you responded. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to those of you who just joined and wondering why I got this white man on my screen right now, even if you're on Instagram, you... You can't see that at all. But if you're on YouTube, come on over to YouTube, you can see the whole screen. There's a white man on my screen right now. This white man decided to give up and sacrifice his white life so he could live as a black man in 1900. And I have been using this man, Walter White, as an example of how race doesn't exist. And I know that the automatic 
thought process when I say that race doesn't exist, that there's a white person existing as a black person. Now, I hope that you think of, the first person you should think of is our good girl, <laughs> Rachel Dozal. Let's play what Rachel Dozal got to say. Because I have had, I have turned to leaf on Rachel Dozal. Rachel, what you got to say? There some people that felt that you never identified yourself as white. So, like, when you went to Howard University, some people felt like they never knew you were white, you were black. And so they felt like maybe the scholarship or when you, the, you know, when you got admitted to Howard, that took an opportunity from a black woman. So that's why a lot of people, it's like, we, you can identify for sure. you're beautiful, but we're trying to understand <clears throat> why in some instances, yeah. you never told people that you, you were, were white. white. Yeah. I mean, it, are you ashamed of being white? Well, like Dick Gregory says, white isn't a race, it's a state of mind. Okay, Nothing but you know, but no, no, let me tell you something. I'm black. I can't be you. I can't reverse myself. Right. I, let me tell you, Rachel. If That's the police exactly stop me, the police stop me, you you could th you could throw that off and show that little like nice fine hair up under and you might get away. I may not. I may not even make it in the jail. Well so it's a difference. Okay. It's a big difference. Well, Rachel, mm -hmm. following that, I have a question. Right. What does what does being black mean to you and why? why? Why do you want to be black? Well, I think that, you know, sometimes how we feel is more powerful than how we're born. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, blackness can be defined as philosophical, cultural, okay. biological, you know, there's a yeah, lot of different things, right. a lot of different people. And I think you do have to kind of like walk the walk if that's how, who you are. Okay. So. Yeah. so you feel that you walk the walk of a black woman? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, go ahead, get your line. No, I just want to say, could you expand on that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, walking the walk in terms of philosophical and cultural, like what I was talking about as far as the broader definition, the pan-African definition of um, blackness, I think um, you're talking about then changing it to um, a black woman. Is there a singular experience? Uh, Is there one absolutely. experience? Absolutely. Um, there are opportunities that I might not get that you can have only because of the color of my skin, not because I'm a smart, beautiful, amazing mother, wife, and entrepreneur. You know? Um, e even as successful as I am now, there are lots of doors that I can't walk into that you can definitely walk into. So I just really want to know, like, have you, ex have you ever experienced anything like that? The police mark black on my traffic tickets. Wait, they what? They what? No, I want to hear that, because I'm interested. You know, you get the B, the W, or the U. You know, the, the W is for white, the U is for unidentifiable, yeah. the B is for black. So it's all based on, the police don't, when they pull you over, they don't say, are you black, are you white? You know, they, they identify you. Now, wow. okay, um, you have compared your journey to Caitlyn Jenner's Sweetheart. I want to know, lady of the house, I want to know your real raw reaction. We're supposed to set up a camera for you today, but we're still working on the tech. I would love to have the people have seen your face just now when you're watching Rachel Dolezal explain herself as a black woman. But I want to know your real raw reaction to this. Right, well, do we, are we, do we identify her the way she wants to be identified? <laughs> to this maybe black woman. I just feel like her talking points, you know, they sound good in theory, but the way she was describing blackness, it kind of felt like it's a costume to her. Like, she can take off her blackness at any point in time that she so chooses. 
So anyway, that's how I feel. <clears throat> I want to play another video before we got into our little break just a second ago. I uh, was getting ready to talk about our man, Adam Scott. Adam Scott writes the comic book for uh, the comic strip for Dilbert. And I know none of my color friends have watched or seen the comic strip Dilbert. We are a boondocks specific family over here. But I just want to play some of his comments um, on his identification as black. Let's see if we can notify or notice some key so differences. So I realized, um, as you know, I've been identifying as black for a while. Yes, oh. Hardest thing and the biggest benefit. So I'd like to focus a lot of my life resources in helping black Americans. So much so that I started identifying as black to just be on the team I was helping. But it turns out that nearly half of that team uh, doesn't think uh, I'm okay to be white. Which is, of course, why I identified as black, cause so I could be on the winning team for a while. But I have to say, uh, th this is the first political poll that ever changed my activities. I don't. So before we get into Adam Scott's bitch ass here in a second, though, I've noticed in trying to identify what black is and hearing these two white people describe themselves as black, which is a very interesting way to try to find a definition of black, to listen to two white people describe themselves as black. But I have noticed two things. Earlier in this conversation, we said that black could be a social caste system. They created white so they could have a top class, therefore they have black so they can have a bottom class. And we know that capitalism works by siphoning, siphoning resources from the bottom class up towards the white class, gradually not in a, uh, dichotomy, right? So the more white you are, the more resources you can take from the black bottom, right? That's how we described it before. But I hear these two white people talk about it in two different ways. I hear Rachel Dozal say that blackness is a philosophy and a culture. I hear Adam Scott say that blackness is a team that you can win on because minorities in this moment, in this post-George uh, Floyd moment, minorities seem to be on the rise. And by looking at those two definitions, I gotta say something kind of radical here. I'm kind of fucking with Rachel Dozal. <laughs> because yes, there, when they created the class, when they created the hierarchy of white and black, it wasn't just to create capitalistic divides. It was also very much so a biological line of demarcation. You are darker than I want you to be, therefore I should be able to treat you like you are not a human, right? There is definitely a biological uh, uh, line of demarcation there. But also there is a cultural line of demarcation. There's a philosophical line of demarcation. We know that the enslaved Africans who sat on plantations from 1619 to 1865, or if you want to be real deep, I heard there was a nigga, and I heard there was a nigga who was a slave in 1996 in Alabama from 1619 to 1996. Niggas from enslaved Africans from East Africa have a different philosophical and cultural mindset as the Westernized American. Is that, is, is that true? 
I remember I heard a uh, there was a, a a YouTube creator I was I was watching a little while ago. Her name was Nima Tang. Nima Tang comes from Tanzania. She said when she first immigrated to the United States as a teenager, the first thing that blew her mind is that women identified beauty as as uh, what you put on your face instead of the quality of person that you are. Direct contrast from an East African philosophy to a westernized philosophy. So if we could recognize that the enslaved Africans who sat on plantations from 1619 to 1996 had a different philosophy, if they spoke different languages, practiced different religions, then we could say they had a different culture. So then we could also say that the line of demarcation between white and black is not only biological, it is also cultural and philosophical. So when I think about my man Walter White, who gave up his white life in 19 to live as a black person while accepting the philosophies and cultures of black people, is it fair to say that he's white? Is it fair to say that a man who gave up money, power, respect, social positioning in an American caste system that rewards you for those things, is it fair to say to this man who has disbanded his whiteness to continue to call him white? Copy-paste Rachel Dozal. Is it fair for a woman who understands the nuance of at least Dick Gregory and that blackness is a culture and a, philo and a uh, philosophy, including a biological demarcation, is it fair to still label her as white? But didn't you say earlier that there's a difference between Walter White in the early 1900s versus today? Yes, thank you for bringing that up. In 1900s, the physical uh, ramifications for trying, for identifying as black were, of course, more dangerous. Yeah. They passed, the, uh, the, the Niagara Movement was in 1905. That means five years after Walter White yeah. decided to live himself, live as a black man, they started to push legislation to prevent public lynching. That means for the first five years of his black life, Walter White could have been lynched. Now, do I get, does Rachel Dozal get that same type of respect? I don't know. But also, Walter White wasn't um, quoting Dick Gregory. Now, Dick Gregory wasn't alive yet, but still, the racial philosophy wasn't as developed as it is now. Okay. Also, um, Walter White, not Walter White, Adam Scott, I believe, is doing the wrong thing of trying to abandon his whiteness. There is a tinge of sarcasm and ridicule and acceptance of the social hierarchy when I hear Adam Scott talk about he identified as black so that he could be part of the winning team. And it's very opportunistic. It is opportunistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and which you can say the same thing about Rachel Dozal, but Rachel Dozal started identifying as black after she left Howard. Yeah. When, when, and this is before social media, this is before the great reckoning of 2019, that's what happened in the summertime, that's what they call it, y'all. Uh, this is before that happened, so the benefit of being on that winning team is not as perceivable, I'll say that. And to hear her talk about the demarcations between white and black, but my man Adam Scott got it twisted. I want to play the second half of the clip because that's not okay. That's not that's not the end of it. Uh, this clip continues. This rant continues with Adam Scott because um, it's beyond he abandoned identifying as black. Now he thinks black is a hate group. Let's see what you got to say, Adam Scott. 
So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. Right? This can't be fixed. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where you know I have a very low black population. Because unfortunately, the, you know, there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon. When, when he notes that the, when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. So even Don Lemon sees a big difference in your own quality of living based on where you live and who's there. So I, I think it makes no sense whatsoever as a uh, white citizen of America to try to help black citizens anymore. It doesn't make sense. So, my man, uh, Adam Scott, who a minute ago we said identified himself as black, has abandoned his identification because he read a poll on a conservative website. The poll was, the poll was asking a response to the phrase, it's okay to be white. Okay? It's okay to be white was the, was the, the, the target of the poll. Let's read the results of some of these polls, because I'm not going. I'm, I'm not making this shit up, y'all. My man read a poll on a conservative site that said uh, it's okay to be white. Uh, the response to that poll essentially states that 47% of Black people don't think the statement "it's okay to be white" is okay. They believe that to be a racist statement. If you're on YouTube right now, you can read the sources. We're scrolling through it right now. 47% of black people who responded to this poll believe that the statement, it's okay to be white, is dangerous. Right? That same sentiment is uh, is backed up by, what's the name of the organization again? Uh... That same sentiment is backed up by the Anti-Defamation League. They also see the statement, it's okay to be white, as hate speech. Why? Why? This is what I've been trying to tell y'all all morning. Why do they see it as hate speech? Because whiteness, to accept being white, to be okay with being white is to be okay with this social hierarchy that has been created. It's to be okay with social caste. It is okay that there is one class who is siphoning resources off of the black class. That's what it means that it's okay to be white. And our former black brother, <laughs> Adam Scott, saw this one poll did not understand the nuance of the philosophies and cultures that is blackness that would be able to see whiteness and it's okay as white as hate speech completely abandoned the race <laughs> Walter White this man right here where'd he go where you at where you at uh, granddaddy Walter White this man right here Walter White had two intellectual children he had Rachel Dozal and he had Adam Scott 
one of those individuals is prepared to have a conversation about what it means to be black on a philosophical and cultural level and how we can eradicate some of the uh, 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 privileged uh, uh, inequity between the two classes, another individual writes bland ass comic strips and abandons the race because he read a bright, bright, or a bright bark poll. Let me tell y'all black ass something. <laughs> Let me tell y'all black ass something. There's a conversation here about what it means to be black and how we accept this social hierarchy. You know what's not okay? You know what's not okay? Even as we are here questioning the race, God better not see not one of y'all, one of y'all black folks out here try to abandon the race. <laughs> you, there might be an episode one day I come up where I say I may not be black no more, I'm an African lost in time, but that is still in spirit, a connection to the lost culture and the lost philosophy and the biological demar demarcation of who I am. I've said it before, I don't know what black is. I don't know this umbrella term that society has created to try to put us all into one bucket. But what I do know is there is a lineage of people who look like me that I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. And that responsibility is a result of that de demarcation, not a perpetuation of that demarcation. I think that's all I got to say about that. White man out here talking about he black. You better get your Walter White on. <laughs> See, if Adam Scott really wanted to be black and he read that poll, and he read a poll that said 47% of black folks are not okay with the statement it's okay to be it's okay to be white, as a culture and a philosophy, as a black man, you're supposed to step back and be like, wait a minute. Why is it not okay to be white? Let me further investigate exactly. the situation. Right. But some of y'all Americans out here, oh, not black folks, some of y'all Americans out here just hear that surface statement, it's not okay to be white, and you'll make the same statement. You'll make the same assumption. Why is it, why we can't fuck with white folks? Why I can't fuck with the white girls? Why I can't fuck with capitalism? I wanna, I wanna, be, I wanna be successful in this racial caste. The success of the racial caste is the destruction of the racial caste, not improvement upon the racial caste. We got any comments? Again, we want to thank y'all for coming back to another episode of Away and Make We Be More. We're going to read these comments in a second, but while we got a quick comment break, we do have a new subscription service, so if you are interested in, you know, donating to the program or even trying to learn more about what's going on here, we abandoned our Patreon to go to a more writing-centric uh, 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 platform, so you can go to bmobrown.substack.com. You can read some free articles. You can pay for some of the paid articles there. The Lady House might drop a few spiritual collections there. I might write a few things there. There'll definitely be some recaps every week about the new blueprints that we'll be discussing here on the show every week. So go to bmobrown.substack.com if you want to subscribe to the newsletter free or $5 a month. I say put five on it. That's what I say. Put five on it. Forget that you ever did it. Send me a cup of coffee. Who knows where that $5 can go. Uh, but let's get to some of these comments as we discuss the whiteness. We ain't got no comments about whiteness? Um, Claudia says... Claude! <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, she's read Dilbert, but never with a critical eye. Stephanie so said she's going over to YouTube. She wants to see. And then you got Sko saying, you hear, I want to win for a minute. That's and right. Yeah. That's right. Who we got on the line, though? Who we got? Whose name can I sing? Is that is that the problem child? <laughs> I see the problem child. I'm trying to do the problem child voice. She got the real radio voice from the hers and the theirs. So we got Natalie on the line. What's up, Nat? Huh? 
We back, baby. Dual citizen that way. Am I not am I putting your business in the street? You know Nat is in the uh, is in the monarchy in her new home country. Is it Cameroon? Don't let me get it wrong. Don't let me get it wrong. Uh we got Chris Cardian. Victoria. You got Kayla. Kayla. Is this Camille? Oh, Camille. That is Camille. From back in the day. Linux Rose, I, I think I know you're Linux Rose. I think you just joined on a joined on the team a second ago. But all right, y'all, we're gonna take a quick rolling break. Uh, we'll be right back with more. Wake me, we be mo. During our break, I'm gonna play a video by my good man Nomad. Make sure y'all go check him out. Nomad the creative on Instagram or Nomad. I forgot the boy damn Instagram. <laughs> but the name, the boy name is Nomad. Go check him out. He's got a new single called The Anti-Social Social Club. Recorded a video and I keep telling you this, sweetheart. When they write the book on the Chocolate City Renaissance happening in D.C., they're going to put a big-ass, fat-ass silver plaque outside the small wooden box because only, only the small wooden box has been able to house Nomad the Native. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. The small wooden box is able to house some of the greatest, most beautiful, creative people in D.C. in this renaissance I call the Chocolate City Renaissance. So we're going to watch the video. We're going to smoke this blunt, and we'll be right back with more. Awake and make we be. Mo, yeah. Hello? Yo, what's going on with you, brother? I got a party tonight for us to go to. Come ride with me. Uh, mm, nah, I'm gonna just kick it in the crib tonight. Nigga, you always do this shit, yo. Come ride with me to this party. You always ask the same question, but the answer don't change, so... I'm gonna just catch you next time. We, we good, bro. Check it. Either you come with me to this party, or I'm gonna bring the party to you. <laughs> good luck, nigga. My door is locked. Oh, this motherfucker done hung up on me. Three hours later. Yo! Nigga, I know you hear me. You about to go to this party up tomorrow, yeah? I'ma join the anti-social social club Hit my phone, you know what's up Tricky letting everybody know the shit I be out the mix with the shit I don't need that Hit me with the split for the lick and the recap I'ma join the anti-social social club Hit my phone, you know what's up Tricky letting everybody know the shit I be out the mix with the shit I don't need that Hit me with the split, the lick, the recap I don't know, dog. Sometimes I'm a menace. Call me old dog. Mama ain't raised no show off. But I got the skill, might as well get the flow off. Stun a little bit, brush them all off. They don't really love me, they just like the idea. That's a oh nah. Certain social circles seem so false, like your wall. Frenemies sucking your energy, enemies trying to get rid of me. People prefer the proximity. I get it, but won't let them limit me. Feel free to keep it private. Nosy niggas wildin', riding through the city like Batman and D&D, my Robin. Quiet, phone always on, but the ring will be on silent. I've been trying to stay about the way. 
I trade my locks for waves. This the kind of vibe you couldn't confiscate. Straight from the source, never concentrate. Take care of my chickens, can't nobody take them off my plate. I should infiltrate the anti-social social club. Hit my phone, you know what's up. Tricky letting everybody know the shit. I be out the mix with the shit, so I don't need that. Hit me with the split for the leg. Recap. Join the anti-social social club Hit my phone, you know what's up Tricky letting everybody know the shit I be out the mix with the shit So I don't need that Hit me with the spliff The lick, the recap Um, nah, I'm hitting. Y'all be too hot, I be chilling. You be here, here for brunch. Right dinner, they call you a villain. Why is that? These niggas fickle pickles, and they be biting like tender fiddles. Might be exciting up in the middle with my niggas when liquor get in the system. But I'm Dutch at your function, I had to split it. Get in this feeling like shit is different, like my routine. I do not act like don't do scenes. I'm on a roll like a loose leaf. Single me out like a Lucy. I throw up the dudes profusely. <clears throat> Excuse me, this was cool. Peace. Hey, Mo, hmm? I ain't even gonna hold you, that shit was here. Yeah. I know, man. On some, like, difference of opinion shit, like, you, you came with that one, yo. I be safe, fool. All right. fuck with you. Peace. Was that Amber at the end of the video? <laughs> All right, y'all. We back with another. We back with more. Uh, wake it, make we be more. Yeah. We want to thank Nomad for that wonderful video. It is so. We were talking about the video. It's so amazing. I think we have witnessed now four, four music videos happen in the small wooden box. Starting off with Micah at uh, Know What. Then we had Yaja's Technicolor. Uh, um, yeah, Chiquette's girlfriend tonight, mm -hmm. and now Nomad's uh, anti-social social club. Four different videos, and honestly, if I didn't tell you they was in the same place, you would have to identify that back portrait and that couch to look at them all the same way, because they all look like four separate different videos. Great job, Nomad. Great, job. and the quality of that joint was beautiful. It was wild. Don't take no blunt out my mouth. I, mm -hmm. I remember one time, <laughs> me and Malik was, uh, I think we was at IHOP. It had to be like after a game or after some frat shit or whatever. And uh, he was taking a long time to eat his bacon. And so I looked at him, I was like, let me get that piece of bacon. And I just took it off his plate before he talked about before he even said oh. anything back. He said, BMO, called me Bryant Brown, actually. This is back then. He said, Bryant, if you ever take uh, bacon off my plate again, <laughs> we're going to fight. We're going to fight. And I appreciate my mans for that, for that communication. So uh, we want to thank Nomad for that wonderful presentation of the Anti-Social Social Club. Make sure you go follow him on all social media platforms, Nomad the Native. Make sure you go watch that video on social media right now. I think it has like 234 plays by the time we finish with the show. We should about have 500 plays and by the time we finish with the season, maybe we can get to 10,000 plays. Alright? We got another musical surprise at the end of the show for you, so stay tuned. But we're going to get back with more of the topics from Wake and Bake with BMO. Oh, you should say something about um, people who want videos. Oh, yes. thank you, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. Just see, the lady in the house just always holds you down. If you are an artist and you are interested in having your video played during the interlude, just hit me up. 
I mean, the prices are very small, maybe even nothing, depending if you talk to me nice. I mean, uh, my love languages are acts of service and, and words of affirmation and kindness. So if you just hit me with a compliment, I might just put the shit in the middle of the show. Anyway, but don't come over here. I ain't got personal. If you want your content to play at the middle of our show, I know you see the number right now. It's like six people on Instagram, probably like six people on YouTube. But either way, that's 12 more people that you weren't having watching your music video before. I know we're not the most popular people, but one day we might be. If you want to be on the interlude, just hit me up. Go to BeMoreAuthentic.com to figure it out or just DM me here right on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you might find me. Let's get it done. This is my man Nomad. If your shit is good, let's get it popping. Yeah? Yeah. Today's Blunt, we don't have necessarily a sponsor, uh, but we are here with Briefers Chiefers. We have, uh, I think this is Mochi, Mocha Mochi. Uh, we're not going to do a full Gondolier situation so we can c continue with the show. Uh, we'll have another conversation later about... Crazy, the torch. What happened? It looks crazy? Yeah, I got yeah. a, I had a torch. I might have to release my own set of lighters. The BMO torch to keep it flamed. Well, like, it's like my face is hot. This thing dangerous, though. Anyway. Right. <laughs> uh, hmm, let's smoke this weed, man. Wake and bake with BMO Nights. So, uh, there are a lot of conversations that intrigued me to come back to this platform, but there is one conversation that, uh, that I thought was taking the black world by storm, but when I look at the views and the impressions, it's just doing okay. When I talk to some of my friends in the community, they say they've been too fatigued by the conversation to see any benefit of having the conversation at all. Uh, it has been two weeks, and I don't know about y'all, but I love old dudes. Maybe it's the Afro in me, but like, I love when a story hit like two weeks ago, and then you come out with a fresh perspective two weeks later. Oh, mm, mm, there's never nothing too old for me to talk about. I have on Afro shirt. This this newspaper was started in, in 1900. You know what I mean? Nothing ever too old for me to talk about. That being said, I know that you've said that you cannot teach a man or tell a man how to be a man. So I will not ask you to indict men in this question. But I do want you to speak, Ayanla, to how women need to, uh, I don't know, position ourselves so that we can be in our divinity, so we can have our crowns right, how we can create and not build, when some of us, quite frankly, feel that the men that are available to us, and I'm talking about across the color spectrum, across the age spectrum, trust me, I've done them all, um, they are not positioned to protect nor provide because of some of the statistics we just talked about. They're not earning the incomes. They're not having the resources, and some of them are not even showing up in the leadership. Would you date a bus driver? You. Would you date if a bus If he owns driver? the bus. If he owns no. it, if he owns the bus, See, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem okay. because the standards and requisites, and I'm not talking about him laying on his sofa playing video games all day. <laughs> I'm not talking about mm -hmm. that. But the standards and the criteria that we use to measure men is off for who mm -hmm. we are as women and who they are in this society. I would date a bus driver mm -hmm. if he was if he loved driving the bus. If he was a man of integrity, if he was good to his mama, if he treated me well, I would date a bunch. Yo, Chris, you wild. Because that's the, uh, every time she say that statement, I'm just like. Every time. 
<laughs> All right. Insane. All right. I want to have this conversation, sweetheart. And another cheap plug for the new blues, new blueprint. We're gonna release a new uh, blueprint uh, newsletter today on this very topic, in which we'll talk about how this topic is a continuation of a 167-year-old conversation about social positioning. It's the same thing we were just talking about with whiteness. We're gonna talk about that more in a new in a new blueprint. But before we get, even get to that, before we even get to the minutia of the situation, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to this whole interview. I listened to the whole Yovanya. What's her name? Iyanla. I can't say her. What now? Iyanla. Iyanla? Yeah. Iyanla Van Zandt. I listened to the whole interview. And something dawned on me. Something that's pretty pretty obvious. (sighs) Niggas love talking about relationships. Oh, my God. (laughs) Niggas love talking about relationships. And part of me, when I hear this bus driver conversation, would you date a bus driver? What are your standards for dating? My first thought, I don't know about y'all, but my first thought when I hear these conversations is like, ugh, we got to talk about dating standards again? Right. But I had a, I had a, had a bit of revelation. Um, if we're supposed to, when I learned in youth development that you're supposed to use, you're supposed to meet your subjects in context, which means you're supposed to try to understand the lessons and the values from their world to help you connect back to that subject. And I use the lessons of youth development all the time. If niggas want to talk about relationships all the damn time, what does that mean? <laughs> it don't mean, I refuse to accept that talking about relationship, relationship standards, relationship politics means that we're having a lesser conversation. I refuse to accept that. So then what are we doing? You know what I think? You know what I think? I think, I think black folks are in the midst of a serious shift. If you believe in the dichotomy, if you believe in a binary between men and women, if you believe that there are power within relationships, which is a different conversation, not necessarily a personal belief of mine, but if you believe in, and there's a lot of people who believe that situation, the power dynamic between black men and black women is shifting. And uh, that shift in that relationship is causing turbulence within our internal relationships. And to dismiss that conversation, to dismiss that turbulence um, as an inferior conversation, I fear that might be antithetical to liberation. Hear me out. Why are relationships, why relationship politics so important in the black community? Could it be that the traditional black family, as it's, at least as it's defined by the American society, father, mother in house, kid, picket fence, systems of commerce, could it be that that system of relationship between black men and black women is broken? Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. Um, could it? Okay. Did the live just end? No. Okay, could it be 
sorry, technology situation. Could it be that the relationships that are happening between black men and black men and black women is broken? And the constant conversation about these very nuanced and minutiae situations about who you would date, your standards of dating, why you would date them, who get to plate first, who making plates, who making money, would you date a broke boy? That those conversation points are actually critical to the rebuilding of the foundation of the black family. And that by dismissing them, we're actually dismissing the active conversations we need to develop better systems. Okay. We can't get to new blueprints if we don't have discussions about the old blueprints. You don't just create blue, you just, you just don't make new blueprints. You don't just say, you know what? You have to study the old joints first. Why? Why study the old joints first? Because you might just build the old building again. <laughs> you might build an old blueprint again, calling yourself new. Okay, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, give me a big butt. I, I feel like the same conversations are constantly regurgitated. And at the end of the day, nothing is really ever done. Like, you know, people have their opinions on relationships or, you know, whose role it is to do what, mm -hmm. but, you know, there's never any compromise. There's never any meeting halfway yeah. or new blueprints. Like, there's no restructuring of the way our relationships I mean, I, I agree with you, sweetheart. We keep looking at each other dead in the face. <laughs> I agree with you, sweetheart, but that's why we're here. I mean, that's why we that's why we came back to the show, right? So we can invigorate those conversations. Maybe we could put a new spin on the conversation so that we could come up some come up with some results. We are a solution-based uh, uh, podcast. Yeah. I will say, in watching that clip, though, what I was going to say about Il Iyanla was uh, when she was describing feminine and masculine energy. And I know some of y'all brains just clicked off. Oh my God, you're on your spiritual shit. Okay, if, if the words bother you, don't worry about you. If you were talk, she was talking about femininity and masculinity. And in the conversation, she said something I'd never heard before. I had never heard anybody describe intelligence as a negative. I never heard someone say that being too logical is a problem. Now, I agree because I have often said in my lifetime as an entrepreneur that if you're making decisions purely on logic, you're a fucking psychopath. What's wrong with you? People have emotions. What? <laughs> What's wrong with you? If you are making purely logical decisions, you're doing something wrong. Nobody ever told you that, fellas on the line, if you're making purely logical decisions, you're doing something wrong. Reevaluate your decisions and use empathy because your heart is the more powerful muscle over your brain. But anyway, when we're talking about masculinity and femininity, they say that masculinity lives in the head and femininity lives in the heart. Therefore, if someone came to you with a problem, something they wanted to discuss, an issue that arose in your community or an issue they had with you, to respond in purely either or, is misguided. There must be a balance. If somebody came to you and said, I'm getting evicted tomorrow, can you help me? And you only gave them logical solutions, you've misstepped. If somebody came to you and said, I'm getting evicted tomorrow, and you only gave them empathetic solution, you have misstepped. So there is a balance between the two. Yeah. I don't know if that balance between empathy and logic would ever happen in a conversation outside of relationship politics. Name another situation, another popular conversation in which the center of the conversation is logic versus empathy. 
The closest one I can think of is Martin Luther King uh, in the 60s doing all those empathetic moves to try to change the hearts of Americans. But then he realized about 30 days before he died, that shit ain't working. So where else in our natural black world do we get to have the conversation that juggles uh, that juggles logic and empathy? Never heard it discussed that way. Uh, so I think it's I am now of the mindset, I want to shift my mindset. When I see these conversations, I'm seeing attempts by the black public, by black society, in the attempts to rebuild the black family, to rebuild black familiar structures. What are the new rules and the new blueprints? Now, in order to do that, we're going to have to talk about my girl Ebony, though. Um, because there is a problem uh with her statement, I believe there's a problem with her statement. And in order to really dissect what that problem is, let's listen to the second half of her of her statement, which is actually a double down on what she was saying in her interview with Il Ilyanla. Man, I'm I was talking about <laughs> black ownership, but some of y'all made it about money. I'm talking about ownership, black enterprise and entrepreneurship, because really I am talking about black liberation. And if you read my book, you'll understand why. So I'm standing 10 toes down on that position, and I don't really care if you're hurt or offended by it. And since some of y'all are already big mad, let me go ahead and make you incensed. So out of the 50,000 plus comments posted on social, I only saw a handful that even considered the possibility of a bus owner being a more aspirational position and recognizing that I am actually speaking and pouring into the ascension of black men when I said what I said. But see, no, some of y'all were too busy naming and shaming me personally and black women in general as undesirable gold diggers and much worse. Now, I suspect that some of y'all are the same men that were bringing home C's and D's on your report cards, only to then be coddled by parents that said, well, that's okay, as long as you're doing your best. Well, listen, I love and believe in the excellence of black men. So no, my dear, C's and D's or any other form of mediocrity is not okay. No, I will not create a soft place for you or anybody that I love to fall comfortably into the bigotry of low expectations. Put out. Mm. What if niggas is dumb? <laughs> and I don't say that as a when I ask the question, what if niggas is dumb? I don't ask that as a question of like um, a real question. Yeah. I'm asking, I'm asking, what if niggas have been systemically put in positions where stupidity, or at least systemic stupidity, is the only result? Right. Because we know about the school to prison pipeline. We've had several conversations on the show about the seven factors that are systemically withholding niggas from being non dumb. And actually, I, got to, I actually have to change the stupid. I can't say dumb because dumb is ableist language. What if niggas is stupid? Let's just say what we said. Let's just say what it is. What if niggas is stupid? What if niggas is systemically stupid? Um. Other thing. I, I, I got to be honest, too. I was having. I got to be honest. I'm a hit dog. You know how they say hit dogs holler? Yeah. 
I'm a hit dog. When she threw out the line about season D's being mediocre and that not being okay, I'm a hit dog. Not because I made season D's, because I have studied why niggas make season D's, why niggas are systemically put in places to have these grades and what these grades represent represent in this system. And we're going to talk about it more on the new blueprint newsletter. It'll be more organized so you can actually read what the fuck I'm about to say. But the thing that really pisses me off about this conversation, about this conversation of mediocre and average, we used to say on the show that black mid matters, that you don't have to be perfect to be accepted or respected, but I think we got to take it a step further because you niggas don't understand. We have to abolish black excellence. It's time. It's time (laughs) to go. It is the oldest blueprint that has been staring us in the face. I know that it looks good when we come on our Instagrams, when we're in our 4K images, when we got our nifty threads on, when we're wearing our Louis and our Gucci's. Oh, shit, let me not even go to the white Jones. When we went in our Telfars and our public schools and we're wearing all our black-owned brands and we look great with our gold. I know that the trap of black excellence is beautiful, but we have to abolish black excellence because they're this black excellent thing when you put it through the wash of what Miss Williams just said about mediocre this black excellence thing is turning into a perpetuation of that racial caste that we were just talking about You know, what black, you know what black excellence is, though, right? If you've done your homework, you've seen black excellence before. Before black excellence, it was respectability politics. Right. Before respectability politics, or while respectability politics, it was also called Cosbyness. Before Cosbyness, it was called Talented Tenth. And if we look back at the writer of the Talented Tenth, who also, 30 days before he died, realized, hey, that shit don't work. The problem is, here's the problem. In order to investigate the problem, we gotta look at it in two ways. And I only got a little bit of time left, so I'm gonna try to go quick. To investigate the problem, we have to look at it in two ways. Look at it from W.E.B. Du Bois' standpoint and from Booker T. Washington's standpoint. W.E.B. Du Bois was born into freedom. Booker T. Washington was born a slave. W.E.B. Du Bois said, in order for us to be liberated, we have to ascend the social caste. That means the jobs that are relegated to people who are in the lower class, This time I'm talking about work class. Y'all might call them blue collar. W.E.B. Du Bois says if we work our way from blue collar to white collar, amazing how it's called white collar, by the way. If we work work our way from blue collar to white collar, then we'll reach liberation. Booker T. Washington says in order for us to reach liberation, we have to be independent of that system. I'm sorry. Booker T. Washington says in order for us to win liberation, we have to put dignity into blue collar jobs, accept those jobs, charge the shit out of white folks for that job, and then we'll have our independence. Those are the crafters of the new blueprints. Both those individuals said, okay, cool. Bus driver, we'll be the bus driver. We'll glorify the bus driver. Great. We'll make our way to liberation. W.E.B. Du Bois says, don't be the bus driver. Be the bus owner. Then we'll be liberated. You know what's crazy about that? Both them niggas was wrong. (laughs) And I love them both. 
I'll quote him to the death of me. Both them niggas was wrong. Neither scaling the social cast nor creating systems that give you distance from the social cast give you liberation. How do you know? Are you liberated now? That's the old blueprint. So when Ebony K. Williams says that the desirable man, the ambitious man, the non-mediocre man is the man who worked his way from blue collar to white collar in order to create some type of liberation or distance from social caste, we knew 123 years ago at the Atlanta Compromise that shit didn't work. That's why you got to read the old blueprints. Because here you are talking about liberation means enterprise. Enterprise is actually the higher class of capitalism, and that gives you liber... Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Stop playing with me. The only freedom from social caste is the deletion and the destruction of said social caste. And I know you want to hold on to black excellence because Zora Neale Hurston wrote an amazing book and you want to stand on those steps too. But she died fucking broke. You want to stand in the same steps as Frederick Douglass, but he escaped slavery. (laughs) You want to be like Barack Obama, but he was landlocked in the presidency because the white folks in Congress wouldn't let him do shit. It don't work. Me, personally, I, (laughs) nigga's favorite intro, I am impressed by any nigga who survived. They are choking black women out at the front of TJ Maxx because they think they bought too much at the TJ Maxx. They killing homeless black folks on the train, choking them out and then giving them a million dollars to fight the case. And you think a B plus will get you liberated? Man. <laughs> it's time for the burning questions for the roach. Burning questions for the roach. We got to be tight with time this season. <laughs> Questions. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case we got any comments. If y'all, if y'all got any comments, any questions before we wrap the episode up, drop them down below. On the next episode, we're going to try to get back to Wyke, uh, uh, why we came back from the show or expectations. Hopefully, we exhibited some of those situations. Uh, but this is your first time on the show for season four. Right now is the time where we got a little bit of the blunt left and a lady at the house after observing all of my rants, <laughs> comments, and questions and producing the show for the day it's going to ask me an amazing question let's see what she got to say lady lady of the house well i was going to ask you um how do we achieve liberation and actually you know become free but (laughs) you said it would be the deletion of the social caste systems and i don't that's us you see uh we yes yes we must eradicate the social caste 
but there is still a part of me that's holding on to the black excellence thing. It's like, but that don't mean niggas can be trash. And that's true. There has to be some type of standard, but that standard cannot be a motherfucking B plus. Right. I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, so deleting the caste system is only part of the problem. Okay. Right? Because here's the harder question. The easier point to digest is that we had empathy for the bus driver. The harder point is the Toni Morrison point. What happens when I take that excellence away from you? <laughs> what happens if I take that little degree from you? What if I take that work experience from you? What if I take them privileges that you think you earned away from you? Are you still good? Right. You still strong? Or do I have to kneel so that you can be tall? After we delete the social caste system, which is easy. Today, you can decide, oh, I don't believe in blue collar no more. Oh, that's it. And then follow through on your thought. That's easy. The harder part is, now how do you judge a nigga? Do you have the systems in place? Have you developed the morals? Have you ingested the correct resources to make sure that you have the proper rubric to assess a nigga's character? Or have you only been judging niggas off their degrees, off of their social positions, off of the job they do, off of the car they drive? I know what y'all niggas been doing. I know what y'all niggas been doing. We got any comments? Camille says, black people would have to support ourselves first, then upcharge them people. Um, Natalie says, it's all by design. Uh, Y'all too close to home now. On YouTube. I'm hot right now. My blood pressure (laughs) up right now. I must have hit something for real. (laughs) Oh, we. Uh, uh, bus drivers do that shit every day. What about black uh, perseverance and consistency? True, I agree. I agree. I'm trying not. I'm trying my hardest not to attack Ebony personally because yeah. this is not a conversation about my best way out. This is not a conversation about Ebony's preferences. I disagree with her preferences to the point where I think they're not good. That don't mean that she has to adhere to what I got to say. Because another thing, you ever notice, <laughs> sweetheart, <laughs> you ever notice some of these niggas who be trying to like tell you how to get to liberation got so many rules to liberation? Like you can only be liberated if you don't show your titties. Like you can only be liberated if you code switch. You can only be liberated if you disagree with capitalism. You ever notice that? Mm-hmm. I'm not one of them niggas. Ebony K. Williams can do whatever the fuck she want to do. And I hope she finds success. I hope, because there's a nigga out there that she talked about. I, I just have to believe, as an Afro-optimist, that everything that she described and that she wanted, there's a man out there like, hmm, I got that. Uh, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. I make, I make a good little money. Now, he may not be pretty. I'm saying he might be a little short. He might not treat his mama good. But he yeah, he there. Mm-mm. All right, y'all. What you got? 
Micah says, assess without the implicit requirement of unity. Exactly. Assess without the implicit requirement of unity. We do not have to agree for us all to move forward. Exactly. It's just not true. Hey, it's Marcus Bachelor. Marcus Bachelor. <laughs> What's up, brother? Welcome to the show. We finna go off. We got a couple comments coming in. Let's see. As Sophia said on, on YouTube, well, just being a light can be black excellence. You don't need to be rich, famous, a CEO, or college educated to be excellent. I don't know. Be a good person? Exactly. Right. Having good energy can be enough. No. No, I agree. In that same interview with Toni Morrison, um, uh, are you a good person? Right. The, the inherent privilege of blackness in this social caste is that we do have the, the moral superiority. Mm-hmm. We didn't create the system, and we are the underdog. Right. Though That's why it's not okay to... It's a black power to the day you die, because... <laughs> <laughs> because to the system, it don't mean shit. You can be, you can say black power all you want to. You're still a nigger. Don't matter. <laughs> don't matter. But it's okay to be white. I'm stepping on you now. Right. We got another comment. Uh, <laughs> Youth male for life. <laughs> what you say? The district blue say, hey, hey, not too much on the short guys. Yeah, I say, hey, man, look. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. <laughs> uh, we want to thank y'all for joining the show. We'll be back on Thursday, 8-ish a.m. As always, you can check out the podcast. It'll be dropping on uh, all your podcast platforms later this afternoon. The new Blueprint um, newsletter. Oh, hold on. Actually, let me do this. Let me do this because I said I was going to do this. I did something cool. Uh, yeah, you can check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast. The, news blue, the new Blueprint newsletter will be dropping today after the show as it will do ritually. I would love for you to put $5 on it so you can do what you got to do. What's up? Do the lower third. Too. Oh, and do the lower third? Yeah, so you can add a link. Oh, yeah, and you can get the link. Yeah. So make sure you go to bmobrown.substack.com. Put that five on it or just read the things that we got there for free. It's all good. I still love you. Either way, if you got somebody that want to throw a little business on the show. We love that. You know what I mean? I love how I'm framed in this little... Yeah. Right. <laughs> Give us money! <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, definitely check that out. We'll be putting stuff up. We'll be back on Thursday. The instant review is instant replay is on YouTube if you want to hear some points. I got some... had some good ones today. I was a little hot. I got to get my blood pressure down here in a second. But we appreciate y'all showing up. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We back. I wish I, we had a closing song that was so dope, <laughs> but we forgot it. We sang it all day and then smoked some weed and now it's gone. <laughs> That's all right. Titties and velvet. Hey. No, I'm playing. <laughs> That's it. That's, you got to say that joint? Yeah. All right. I have a better song for you. Uh, as we close out, I want you to check out a teaser for my man's new song, music video coming, coming out, but the song is coming out. It's called Tonche by friend, family of the mm-hmm. family of the house. <laughs> Mr. Michael Robinson. Make sure y'all checked it out. We'll see y'all on Thursday, 8 a.m. ish. Good morning. Good morning. Baby, can we go, baby, please? Down on my knees, I'm begging, baby, I'm just trying to.